Test, test, one, two, one, two, testing. Hello, hello, testing, one, two. Hello, hello, hello. Boom, 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 pow, pow. Okay. Okay, so today's episode is going to sound a little different if you hadn't noticed already. It's about a scam that happened to one of us. So, what's the deal with uh, this, the fake Adam? How did you know he was a fake Adam? That's right. It was a scam. Well, an attempted scam against me. So he reached out, said, hey, my name is Adam Levin. I'm here to, uh, I need to sell my property. Here's the address. Call me. Spoke with him, said, you know, I I think I could help you. Uh, Let's, you know, let's, let me do a little bit of homework and I'll get back to you. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam Levin. I'm Bo Friedlander. And I'm Travis Taylor. So, right now we're in your car. Yep. What are, what are we doing? Who are we calling? So we're going to call Fake Adam. Fake Adam. All right. Yeah. Adam Levin tried to sell your house. No, no, he didn't. I, I'm me. And I know I didn't try to sell my house. Only <laughs> it wasn't Adam Levin. And Bo ran a sting operation. Um, I guess, I guess the good question here is, what, what do we want to, what do we want to say here? So you just say hi. Hey, I'm with the realtor. I just happened to run into him down at the property. He's talked to you, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So if you're a little confused and a little intrigued, that's exactly how Adam and I felt when we first found out someone was pretending to be Adam. And this scam all started with a piece of property on the coast of New Jersey. So so I have a property in Maniloka, New Jersey. It's 100 linear feet on the ocean. It's vacant because it the house was destroyed by Hurricane Sandy. And it's been in our families for many years. It was purchased back in 1983. And after Hurricane Sandy, the property's been vacant. I got a call from my co-owner, and we both agreed that we would list the property and that he would contact a local broker because he grew up in the area. And he called back to me and said, the property's already listed. Well, first of all, Adam likes a scam the way a fat kid likes cake. And he, you know, so this thing was, was, was spiritual catnip. Sorry to mix my metaphors, but he was really excited. I got a call from Adam, as I often do. And occasionally he'll say, Friedlander, or he'll say something. But this time you said, I got scammed or I'm getting scammed. Or, You're going to love this, Bo. You're gonna love I this think one. that is what he said. You're gonna love this. It was like a men's warehouse ad, <laughs> but it was for us. And and so Adam calls me and says, "There's a, there's there's someone's trying to steal the property of Manilokan." I actually, you know, I like to say that he was like, "You must go to New Jersey and you must do this," but honestly, I I volunteered because I thought I was I was the second coming of Dateline. You know, go and go down there and catch the criminal. I was pretty excited. Because I realized 
we could actually use this for the show. And I go to the place to get a recording. Hey, man, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are now, you? how does this work? I mean, that's the big question. Normally, when you're going to sell a property, call a realtor, and they do all the MLS stuff, which is the listing that makes it appear on Zillow and Realtor.com and Redfin and all the other places. And um, honestly, I've, I've sold a few properties, and it's, and it's a mystery to me how it works, but it works. And I also have to say... I've never had to pass any kind of identity uh, authentication. Never. So did you think that maybe this was like a corrupt realtor that was uh, running a scam or is it something else? My feeling is the criminal is the realtor. That's what I think going in. So is this guy like a well-established realtor? Or? I pass by the place and I'm like, that can't be the place. But it does say the name of the realtor on the side. But it also says like some other random things. It's not really a name brand place but they've been in business for over 20 years. I can't really figure out where the, the driveway is because it just has a UE kind of thing going that you can't really get to. And so when I got in there, I thought maybe this really is just some kind of scam and maybe the realtor's running it. That was my thought. Okay, so you go down there. What happens? So the person that I go to visit is the listing agent. This is the agent who has posted this listing. They, they, you know, if it sells, they get the lion's share of the money. That's who I visit. Adam has already called the guy and said, you don't have the right Adam Levin. I'm the right Adam Levin. And um, I do a show about scams and my colleague is going to come down there to interview you. Hello. Hi. Hey. Oh, here. So I get down there, introduce myself, I'm trying to do a vibe check, and, uh, you know, he's ready to be interviewed, and I'm ready to interview him. So, start from the beginning. What happened? So, we got... So, are you still thinking that the realtor might be in on this, or are they just an innocent bystander? At this point, I'm approaching the situation the way I approached Christianity when I was 17 years old. I just don't know. And, um, you know, so I was totally agnostic um but i did believe that there was a criminal so you know could he be the criminal sure so when i got there i was like okay this is wrong and i don't know what kind of wrong i don't know what i don't know what flavor wrong we're dealing with here there's so many options here this is this is a choose your own adventure type situation where it could be that the realtor is the scammer it could be that the scammer is scamming the realtor and adam but, you know, so the, so I'm very aware of the fact that the realtor is, as far as I know, a victim here. And I don't know what kind of victim. I don't know if the criminal was trying to scam the realtor out of some deposit money. It could have been as simple as that. Like, oh, you know, here's $2,000. I don't want it. Send me $2,000 back. I didn't get it. I can send it again. Now I have your $2,000. See ya. Thanks. So we're sitting in this this um, conference room that doubles as a supply room and um, probably where they do closings. I, my, I'm on fire. I don't know if I'm in the room with criminals or what. Can we try to get him on speakerphone just see what his voice sounds like? We could. Um, why don't you text him and say, hey, can you talk for a second? Okay. You sure that's fake at the moment? <laughs> I have the real, uh, he's saved as the real one, so now, so I know. 
Hey, Adam, it's How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Um, yeah, so I was just um, wondering if uh, you had time to discuss the one offer that came in. Okay, yes, let's, let's, let's do that. And then we call the guy up, and I'm so relieved when he answers, and he sounds not like he would be friends with the realtor. You know, he just doesn't sound like, it sounds like a different walk of life. Yeah, of how many days closing? So they can close in 30 to 45 days. That's pretty standard. Hard to hear. He's intentionally down-talking, low-talking, saying as few words as possible knowing full well that anything he says will be recorded probably all right no problem all right i'll talk to you soon so all's good and then the that phone call ends and we're whispering to each other i'm telling him what to say during the during that phone call and um then his dad comes in come in come in come in come in come in Hi. we're taping it we're t- doing taping some tell him tell this him. is my broker Hey. So, uh, right. yeah. Nice. So now I'm like, wait a minute. That guy has a very similar timbre to the other guy, the guy we were just on the phone with. Was he in the other room and he did the phone call and then came in? Was that good? Did I do a good job? Or like, maybe this guy's a mastermind. I'm totally paranoid. And, you know, and it, and it tracks with the situation because somebody's trying to steal a piece of property. You, everyone in the situation, like, this is clue. You know, who was it? Was it the butler in the, you know, in the library with the candlestick? Who knows? So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works. Not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M.
So how did you get out? I mean, I know you're here talking to us right now, but did you just leave or what? Pretty much. We're done. I say if you, you know, leave the property on the on the market for the time being, um, we're going to call the FBI. We're going to call the local police. We're trying to figure this out. And he didn't have a reaction to that. And I guess that is when I started to think he can't be the criminal. Because if someone's telling you they're going to call the FBI and the police and they're doing all this stuff and Adam used to be the director of consumer affairs in the state where this is happening. I mean, I don't care how cool you are. You'd be sweating bullets. So I reach out to the FBI. I call them up and I tell them everything that's happened. I have this property in Manilocan, New Jersey. Somebody's pretending to be me to sell it. How do we catch this guy? How do we get justice? We talk a little, but the reality is there's really not that much for them to do because the property's still there. There was no money that was lost. The only crime was identity theft. But if there's no financial or information tied up with the identity theft, then nothing's really happened yet. And that's the whole point. This is a pre-crime crime. So they, they really can't get involved. They don't have the resources. I mean, if there were a string of these things all over the country and properties were being sold like crazy... Yes, it would be something for them to get involved with. But at this stage, at this moment, nothing's Not happened yet. I'm not super familiar with Madelokan. Is that like Jersey Shore, Snooky, the situation all kind of hanging out? Or is it a little more uh, upscale than that? Madelokan is, is a lot, is upscale. And Madelokan, Bayhead, that area. Mm-hmm. Um, you find Snooky, let's say, further south or in some cases, further north. Uh, but other than if Snooky happens to be a distant relative of somebody in Manilokan, you wouldn't necessarily see her. The beaches are are semi-private. It's just a whole different vibe down there. So no fake tans, no uh, overdeveloped abs? Like sort of oh, thing. You, you will definitely find overdeveloped abs all throughout the Jersey Shore. And, uh, and there are tats here and there. But if you look at Manilokan and Bayhead, it almost feels a little bit more like Southampton, East Hampton, that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I went down there, Travis. That's exactly what it's like. So what you see is there's a there's a sandy bluff. There's like a dune. And then on the other side of that dune is the ocean. And then you go down about 10 feet and, and there's the lot where Adam's house used to be. If you look at, on the front page of the New York Times, shortly after Hurricane Sandy hit... And you look at the intersection of Route 35, which is the big road down down the shore, and Manilokan Bridge Road, you're going to find four houses that were squished. And we are the furthest south of the squished houses. Hurricane Sandy turned in at that point and totally flattened, destroyed, crushed, eviscerated the property. And the house next door, I'm just curious, just north of your house. Was that also squished? It had been destroyed and has been rebuilt. You wouldn't believe what they put there. It's gigantic. Oh, no, it's a, it's the Great Gatsby house, practically. I mean, it's pretty amazing. No, complete with, like, the lights to, like, you know, shine across the bay and say, like, oh, my boyfriend's not here. Come. <laughs> Whatever. I have to confess that, that I had such a traumatic experience with the destruction of the house that I hadn't even been down there in a few years. We've had others who are friends who have come and looked at the property, but I haven't been able to bring myself to do it. 
So I think as, as I was driving away and I asked you about it, your exact quote was something like, if I never step foot on that property again, it'll be too soon. That's true. That's true, because it was just a very emotional experience for me on a variety of levels. And, and it was that's a chapter of my life that's that's closed. Okay, so let's get back to the property. We went to the FBI. We contacted the realtor. We let the realtor know that they should leave the listing up because we didn't want to tip off the scammer that we knew what was going on. And the FBI came back after an initial investigation. They said, really not sure there's a lot that we can do, but it's up to you. You're the property owner. So if you want to, if you want to pull the listing and relist it or do what it's your property, do whatever you think is the right thing to do. So we pulled down the listing. We then talked about officially listing the property. And lo and behold, I get a call from a second realtor who asked me if I'm Adam Levin. I go, yes, I am. And he said, well, didn't you just list your property with me? And I said, no, I did not list my property. Who are you? And the story tracks. It's very similar to the first one. I meet the realtor on the beach. Good, how are you? What's your name? Yeah, nice to meet you. So this is it, huh? So this is the lot. Now, so, uh, this place is pretty cool, I got to say. I'm, my first thought is, why is Adam selling this? The guy tells me about it. And then we go and we sit in his car. We call the guy. Yeah, call Please leave your message for 407... Bupkis, crickets. He goes, go, 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 go. I go, drive five hours. I get there. He hasn't told me that they pulled the listing. Now, what do you think the criminal's going to think when he sees the listing's gone? Jig is up, right? You think he's going to answer the phone from the realtor? No. I could have killed him. Now, with that question, I think the biggest issue here is how do realtors, how do the people responsible for selling our properties confirm they're actually talking to us? I mean, we ran into this problem. We were trying to convince the realtors. I was the real Adam Levin. So I Googled Adam Levin and, you know, so, and then I emailed the real Adam Levin and said, hey, I just got off the phone with my attorney. Um, He said, I need to, I need to make 100% sure that you are who you say you are because I'm not going to make the same mistake twice, right? So um, I Googled him. I Googled, you know, the books he's wrote. I I Googled um, his podcast, your podcast. Um, I Googled, um, you know, just his information in general. So I made... I made a question sheet for myself. So I made like like five or six questions on this question sheet that I was gonna ask him when he called me in the morning and, and, and I was just gonna rapid fire these questions out of them to make sure that he was, you know. It was like it was like who your parent who were your parents? Who were where did you go to where'd you go pre grad? Where'd you go post grad? You wrote a book, what was the logo on the book? And it was like I, I made sure that I'd had, I was going to be asking the right questions, and he answered them like that, 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 really quick. So I, I knew he was... So you mean the thumbprint with the... With the lock in the middle of it? Yes, that one, yes. So I wanted to make... That's smart. Sh- yeah, yeah. 
So, so and he, he passed? Oh, he passed. He Can passed flying colors. Now? Absolutely. Wait, here's my question. Yes. Pretend for a second I'm fake Adam Levin. Okay. I go online. I figure out that his parents are Right. I look at his book. How do you know you still don't have fake Adam Levin? Well, that's why I. So, no, it's okay. So that that's why I wanted to ask him these questions quick. Just like bang, 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 bang. 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 Yeah. No, time. no, no, exactly. I need him to go grab a phone and. and did he and do it super fast? He did went really fast. Yeah, and I. All right, said, so you're satisfied? It's, I can tell you, I've known him for twelve years. It's you have the real Eleven. <laughs> I know he owns that property. I remember when the house got eaten up by a hurricane. It's by Sandy. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I believe that if realtors were required to take two forms of identification, that would it would be less of a problem. But that's still not to say that someone can't fake a passport or fake a driver's license with the amount of right. data that's been stolen. And of course, this is different than the old days when you would actually have to physically present yourself to a realtor in order for them to want to do a deal with you. And today with things like DocuSign, you just see that regular block print for signatures a lot of the indices that you needed in the old days, you don't need anymore, which is something that has to be addressed. How and why has that changed? Well, COVID, I think, was a big one. And Adam, you did a few real estate transactions, renting stuff during COVID. And as you can attest, there was low or no contact in some of those transactions. A lot of the transactions that were conducted during the pandemic were done by video. And you never saw anyone, but they would they would have a video of your house, or the realtor would come and they would do a FaceTime. Well, it's not like you have to sneeze on each other, but I'd still assume there'd be like a title involved, right? Well, there 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 is title, right, Adam? Well, no, there there is there is title, and normally these kinds of scams that are occurring will get caught either during the escrow phase or by the title insurance company, not always though. Which leads us to the question is, what was this criminal hoping to accomplish? All right, I'll bite. Travis, you have any guesses? Not a one, this is all seeming very weird. <laughs> oh, <me>. come on, <laughs> you do. Think about think about what's gettable in this situation in a, in a real estate deal. What's gettable, think about it. Probably a uh, depositor down payment. Bingo, or it's like, um, what is the the scam where you kind of, you overpay, you don't over, I forget, but you know, the kind of scam where you say like, oh, I sent $3,000 by accident. Can you send that back? Yeah, it's the overpayment scam. Yep. Oh, so they could do like an overpayment thing here, no? But they, mm -hmm. they could also do money laundering. Adam, I don't get how that works, but try to tell us without giving tips to criminals. Go. <laughs> That's impossible. But basically money's <laughs> put in, the prospective purchaser puts money in escrow. Yeah. Something occurs which blows the deal up. The seller mm -hmm. takes the position that there's been a violation of the terms of the contract and that he or she is allowed to keep the escrow money. And yeah. they keep the money, nobody realizing that the same person was on both sides of the transaction. They were just laundering money. Wait, so you're saying you, but you don't think that's what was happening here. The guy was not posing as a seller and a buyer. No, I don't think it was. Well, first of all, we don't we don't know who prospective buyers were. There were a couple of people that made offers, but um, I think in this case, it was they were trying to do a fast track deal. Just grab grab like 
grab the escrow or grab a part of the deposit or something? Grab as much as they could get. And if by some chance everybody missed it, uh, grab the total amount of money. The only issue is that if you have a legitimate buyer, uh, mm. they're going to want to sue to get their money, but they're going to sue the title insurance company. So the realtor had a guess too. No, what do you think the criminal was after? Oh, he's he's looking for the, the deposit money and running. Just the deposit. You know, I mean, it's what, what is a typical deposit on this kind of property? Anywhere from, I mean, 20% of 40 mil or 4 mil is... 20%, yeah, that'd be pretty standard on something like this. Now, if you're doing a quick close, 10 days, 14 days, because a lot of the people buying these lots are, are pay, paying cash. And so, you know, you could you could end up with maybe a 5% of, of four mil, and then, Still a great payday. yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's what, 120, maybe 160 grand, if not a little more. Vacant properties are so interesting to these criminals because if it's a vacant piece of property with nothing on it, then it's not like they have to gain access to anything. They can just stand there, even if they never set foot on the property, they can just stand there and take pictures. So it's, it's a whole different dynamic than if it's a vacant piece of property that has a building on it where they want to get inside and then show images of the inside of the building. I have a theory. Maybe it's one of our listeners. <laughs> well, I, it did occur to me. Bo, uh, what were you doing? Uh, no, no, I'm not a listener. I, I'm barely. Well, you, Fumiko. So in hey. other words, you're, you're oh, admitting, Bo, that you don't listen to our show? No, I do. I don't. I'm not. Uh, I, Adam, I can say all the words to Led Zeppelin 4, but to none of our podcasts. It's <laughs> So, no, but I'm serious. It could have been a listener because, you know, if you think about it, we have joked quite a bit about, like, how funny it would be if one of us get, was, was uh, hacked or scammed. And I just wondered, like, how did this person, or maybe you can just elucidate this for me, Adam. How did they know that vacant piece of property was yours? Like, how does someone figure that out? Well, I think what happens is that they look in certain towns that are considered high net worth towns, they look for vacant pieces of property, and then all they need to do is then go to go to town hall or even just go online and look up the property and get a lot of information, when it was bought, when it was sold, and if they want to get more granular, they can find that information online, or they can walk into city hall and get it. Had this property actually sold to one of the people who made an offer, it still wouldn't have changed hands, correct? It might have. Let's say there was an attorney who was complicit in the transaction mm -hmm. who looked the other way, then who would know? Well, that's an interesting thing you said, because on the tape, when the criminal was asked whose lawyer he wanted to use on the offer that they had he said we'll just use your lawyer it could be it could be a lot so the deposits normally held in the seller's attorney's uh trust account mm -hmm. so who's to say that the seller's attorney obviously he's not going to hire a real attorney maybe he has a fake 
bank account set up through a fake attorney and they get it wired and then that money's gone and he's gone. So wanting to use your lawyer, is that? It's common, yeah. That is common. It's common, yeah. People usually ask. Something that is said to the realtor in the beginning doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen once the deal is actually signed. Sleight of hand. I'm going to do this. You know what? Change my mind. Yeah, I, I got. I, you know what? I got a guy, and I'm doing other deals in the area. So let let my guy handle it. Right. So we're in, we're very much in con man territory. We have no idea how they're going to do it, but we know something's afoot. Correct. And a lot of these transactions actually get found and stopped, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth taking a shot. If you're a criminal, that you might actually pull one through. How common is this? Well, funny you should ask. Friedlander? Yep. Okay, dude, I, I spoke to Charity Clark, uh, who you'll remember as the Attorney General uh, for um, Vermont. Vermont, yeah. Yep. And she knows the dude from New Jersey, but she also kind of just walked me through what how to think about this. At least in Vermont, the AG's office would be... <laughs> I asked her all these questions, and I was like, no, that's the AG office, that's Secretary, Secretary of State. Um, if there was consumer, uh, you know, like fraud, if there was a consumer advocacy or safety issue, that's for sure the AG's department. If there's a Secretary of State issue, such as, you know how realtors authenticate themselves, she can't help, and neither could the AG in New Jersey. So she suggested I get in touch with the realtor board there. I think you should. No, I did. So I've been on the phone with a person there, and she is funny because she said, when I told her the basic situation, she goes, oh, that happens all the time. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Well, if it happens all the time, what what the hell are they going to do exactly. about it? <laughs> exactly. Um, so then came the question as to who I should be talking to. Because, I mean, she was like, well, this could be an investigator. This could be. And I, what I think I need is the head of the realtor board. I think I need to speak to the head honcho. No, you uh, really should speak to the chairman of the board. They, 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 if you're speaking to anybody other than the boss, yeah, you're going to get kind of a canned answer. So you really have to speak to the the chief. I think what you need to ask them is, what process do you require your realtors to use in order to make absolutely sure they're dealing with the right seller? Right. Yeah. You know, buyer is one thing, but if the seller is a fraud, that's a real problem. Um, all right. I'm going to get back on the phone with them. So, Bo and Adam, you guys know I'm a bit of a uh, privacy geek, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, totally. I, I really just don't like the idea that just about anyone can find you online, can find out where you live or your email address, or your phone number or anything. I just think that entire idea is super creepy. There's so much of my data already out there, but is there something that you can do? Yeah, actually, you can use Delete Me. Delete Me is a service that pretty much does the heavy lifting for you, where they go to all the data brokers that they have on file. 
and uh, just pull your data and delete it on a regular basis. I use it. I like it. And they make it quick, easy, and safe to remove your personal data online. Well, yeah, with these data brokers, they can accumulate huge amounts of your personally identifiable information. And if all that information gets into the hands of a bad actor, that opens you up to a lot of risk. And if you act now, you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and use promo code WTH. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and enter promo code WTH at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash WTH, promo code WTH, which stands for What the Hack. And we thank you for supporting Delete Me and What the Hack. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't, like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes dot com. Okay, Matt, can you just state your name? Matt Troiani. And your title? Senior Counsel and Director of Legal Affairs at the National Association of Realtors. So Attorney General Charity Clark told me to do something. So I, I don't know, it seemed like a good idea to do it. And Adam was like, do it. So I did it. I called the National Association of Realtors. And I spoke to their counsel to get a little more perspective on the problem. So my first question for you is, um, how, how are realtors now going about authenticating would-be sellers? And is it enough right now? Well, we would certainly encourage our members um, to use several different kinds of best practices and use their experience, their kind of feel for those kinds of red flags that come up. If you're working with somebody that you have not met in person or you have not not been able to communicate or not referred to you by a trusted source, um, you would want to try to make sure that you could at least verify their identity. You could, of course, try to get, you know, a copy of a photo ID, make sure that you are able to meet with them on camera, even if it's not in person. A lot of times these scammers will say, oh, well, my camera's broken or I'm in a place with spotty reception. It'll come up with excuses, which should trigger some of those um, uh, those uh, warning warning signals. There have been these um, changes that I think as an industry, we're still trying to keep up to speed with. It's driven by consumer behavior. Clients actually like the convenience. They like uh, the ease of doing this, but um, it does open up additional opportunities where there may not have been one before for uh, these scams to occur. So what is what is the National Association of Realtors doing to try and close these gaps? Is there legislation being um, 
suggested to people in DC? What's going on? First and foremost, uh, we do come from a position of uh, we're going to support legislation where appropriate. We're going to support um, and advocate for efforts to provide greater security uh, to these systems. But in the meantime, we are also going to continue try to heighten awareness, share best practices, um, a use education in order to put our members in the best position to be able to hopefully suss some of these things out before um, uh, before fraud occurs. Um- in these um, vacant lot scams, do we see actual, like the full sum uh, being changing hands going to the scammer or is it just a deposit? What typically are, are, are the scammers going after? They're typically not, um, it, it's not particularly common. It does happen in certain markets, but it's not particularly common. And so what they're typically doing is they're seeing this transaction all the way through the proceeds from the sale hit their account and then they're moved very, very quickly. Uh, to accounts that are beyond the reach of United States law. One of the red flags that we caution our members to look for are situations where the sellers are saying for a variety of reasons, whether it's personal reasons or they need access to the cash or they're just something is going on in their lives that they need a quick sale. So they're willing to accept less than market value for it. So that's one of the red flags we'll typically see because as far as they're concerned, even if they get 80, 90% of the value out of the property, well, I mean, they don't have any costs that are associated with this, so that's better than that's better than nothing from the scammer's perspective. Yeah, one of the things we're recommending our members do is reach out to um, previous clients and alert them to these kinds of things, and have them put like a Google alert on their property um, so that they get an alert if somebody tries to list it for sale. Matt, thank you so much. I thought it was a reasonable assumption that the the crime was, you know. It was a real estate crime of the kind that only someone in real estate would really know kind of how to do. That's why I jumped to the conclusion that it was the real estate agent that was doing it. But like, I just want to make it clear, like this scam, as I understand it from the NAR, is primarily against the realtor. They're counting on the realtor not being good at verification. But then we learned that this is a crime on the rise. And, uh, you know, actually, we just had a case close here in Jamaica, Queens. A senior citizen uh, was relieved of her property uh, by a criminal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, of course. Um, And anyway, the guy is going to prison now. Uh, He was caught and her property using a unique law uh, or, or kind of a creative twist on a law that exists, got her title back right away. So she didn't lose the house, but the house was sold out from under her. Which is tragic for anyone, but especially a senior citizen. Well, I'm only 54 years old and I feel like, you know, I'm already confused in general. So can you imagine what it's like as you get older and someone tells you your house isn't your house? I was reading that uh, seniors are very frequently targeted by this kind of scam because of the fact that they usually have a lot of equity in their house. In a lot of cases, their mortgage is paid off. And so that makes it even a more appealing target for scammers. Well... Elderly people are targeted because they have equity, and the other the other targets for these scams are vacant pieces of property because the assumption is that the owner is really not necessarily paying attention. Well, not only that, but that they don't owe any money on it because most people aren't going to pay taxes on an empty piece of property. And if they are, it's owned outright. Yeah, there wouldn't be a mortgage that needs to be settled. You own the property outright, you're paying taxes on the property, And for a scammer, it's like, this is great. Nobody's looking. 
Yeah. And they can, can they check to see if you're not paying taxes on it? They would be able to check that, right? Oh, totally. Is that public they can records? do that. And, and there are some people that, that do that. And if they see that there's a tax liability, they'll go in there and pay it off and take a lien on the property. They could end up with the property. Oh, so that's another way in. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, let's say it's a vacant building on the property. They might search to see if there's still a mortgage on that building. And right. they may go to the bank and try to buy the mortgage out from under the owner. So there's there are a few ways in, but this way seems like it was really targeting not the whole enchilada, but just, you know, there's a lot of money that a $4 million property off-gasses. Incidentally, that would be extremely attractive to the likes of me and Travis. No, we didn't do it. <laughs> you sure you didn't do it? Who's we, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do it either. No, and by off gases, if you're if that's if that's too abstract, I just mean that there's a lot of incidental monies surrounding a, a purchase like that. There's deposits. There's there's things that would be, you know, not a lot of money to to you, but a lot of money to me. I think one of the other things that stands out too about it being a vacant lot is that you're not having to pay the uh, month to month utilities on. Oh yeah, there's that too. But the point is that it, it we're trying to understand why this was a target, and I think we get it. It's just like, so if you have property that's just sitting there, probably that can be stolen from you. If you have a, an elderly family member living in a property that's owned outright, that's probably a target. And so what do we do? That's really the question. I mean, this definitely falls into the category of the three M's that we talk about, which is how do you minimize your risk of exposure? How do you monitor and how do you manage the damage? In this case, the most important M is how do you monitor when you yeah. have certain assets? How do you make sure that someone is not trying to separate you from your assets? How do you? I mean, like you monitor, your monitoring here was dumb luck. So what do you do? What are the telltale signs? One is that you're, you suddenly stop getting your property tax bills. That would be one. A for sale sign in front of your property? A building on your property that wasn't there before. Oh, that could be a dead giveaway. <laughs> that would do it. But the other so, thing no, is, I mean, <laughs> let's say you suddenly start getting a mortgage bill or you don't get the mortgage bill, but then you get a notice from the bank saying, uh, we're going to be foreclosing on your property unless you make a payment immediately. What does that have to do with someone stealing your property out from under you or telltale signs of your property being stolen? I only hear two so far. Your your taxes disappear. That was one. Mm -hmm. And a house appears <laughs> on your property. <laughs> that is two. So, so there's not much. And that means, you know, that you do have to be vigilant in a different way. I got it. All right, here's what you do. You go to Zillow, Redfin, Realtor.com or one of the sites like that and sign up for alerts on your property. That's strangely brilliant. I actually have to agree, Adam. I think you've solved the problem. I'm going to try it tomorrow. What's stopping you from doing it now? True, true, true. Okay, I'm going to now dis disappear for a moment. Goodbye. But then another way you could do it is also, if you don't want to zero in any specific property, you want to be a little bit more general, Sign up for alerts on properties that would be available in your zip code. Yeah, I mean, the listings that you get from the services aren't always 100% accurate, but they are persistent, at least. Well, no, and they, they do, they will tell you what's for sale in your town. Except if, you know, someone's trying to do it privately, like one thief is trying to sell it to another, something like that. 
Yeah. So if it's the money laundering version of this crime, then then that might not be catchable. But but a lot of the versions of this crime, it would be catchable. So what happened? Did you get the guy? When we were talking to the law enforcement um, entity we were talking to, um, you know, the buck sort of stopped with the problem that no buck moved. There was no crime. Well, that, that was the biggest issue is that no crime had been committed yet. I disagree. And I said that to the officer and said, listen, that, you know, they committed an identity theft and they did. That they did. But we're finding that law enforcement in general, other than taking down a report, is really not equipped to solve identity theft issues. They're just not. They're undertrained, under-resourced, and they're, they're not prepared for it. It's not what they do. But it is, it is a piece of the puzzle that they need. Yeah, you would think something along the lines of like attempted identity theft would still be illegal and worth prosecuting. But then also, depending upon the level of the law enforcement agency and whatever their mandate is, a case like mine might not be big enough. They would need multiple cases, although we're now seeing that across the country, multiple cases are in fact occurring. So I, I believe that federal agencies will get involved. It's just a question of how vigorously they're going to pursue it in light of all the other things they're dealing with. Which brings us to our tinfoil swan our paranoid takeaway to help keep you safe on and offline. This might come down to deed theft, and I'm just wondering, is this really a big problem? Well, for me, it's a big one. Yeah, no, I know, but for most of us. Yeah, it's a lot less common than other forms of identity theft, but it still is a problem, and apparently cases are increasing. But aren't there, there's companies, and I always thought these were sort of scammy, but, you know, I hear about on the radio companies that protect your deed out there, right? Well, it's like identity theft protection, but for property. Yeah, but to Bo's point, a lot of them are pretty sketchy and they make really outsized claims about the protection that they can actually offer you. The best ways to protect your property break down to the same ways that you just want to protect your own identity. Like freezing your credit, for one. Right, and keeping an eye on your accounts. And if you stop getting utility bills for your property, it's a surefire sign that something weird is going on. Okay, and and also taxes, you know, tax bills. I don't know. I I don't, I don't really buy the whole keep an eye on your credit because this isn't going to show up on that always. But it's really easy to set up credit monitoring, and it's one of the fastest ways to get notified if someone's buying a property in your name because there'll be a major shift in your credit score. Okay, what if your title deed has been stolen? Again, I mean, the first thing you should do is just file an identity theft report with the FTC. It's pretty easy. You just go to identitytheft.gov and file a claim. Uh, the FTC fortunately has a lot of resources to help victims recover from just about any kind of identity theft. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like this is just like any other kind of identity theft. Annoying. Right. And the biggest targets tend to be rental properties that we've discussed or any kind of property that's sitting vacant for a long period of time. Um, but in any case, when you buy a property, you can get title insurance, which is usually part of the closing costs. So really, the main lesson here is keep an eye on your accounts, freeze your credit, and be on the lookout for anything out of the ordinary. That and be skeptical of any unsolicited calls you get offering loan modification or mortgage assistance, because those are almost guaranteed to be scams. Okay, but guys, you're drifting all over the place. Mostly set up a, a, an alert on, on Realtor.com or something like that. 
We know that the National Association of Realtors wants you to set up a Google alert, and I think that's a good idea. Just look at all the new properties, unless you come from a really big town. But if you come from a town with 300 houses in it, you're okay. Just set up an alert. (laughs) (laughs) And that, my friends, is our tinfoil swan. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.